Today, NCAA champion swimmer Riley Gaines is joining us. Riley recently made headlines again after she gave a speech at San Francisco State University on the rights of female athletes. She was physically assaulted, yes, physically assaulted, and then barricaded in a room, unable to leave for three hours due to the angry protesters. Riley is a very courageous young woman. You'll wanna meet her and hear her story today. Stay with us. Welcome to the Moms for America podcast. Each week, special guests tackle the issues facing the moms of America today. Discussions include personal stories and advice on how moms can build a strong foundation of faith, family, and freedom in their homes and country. Hi, moms. I'm Debbie Corletis, your host, and I'm so glad that you're joining us again this week. Uh, right here at the top of the show, we always want to invite you to like and to subscribe to our podcast. Uh, we also ask that you share this with all your mama friends in your circle because we always have such great information and interesting guests on our show. We also here at the beginning of the show want to invite you personally, mom, to join us here at the Moms for America movement. We are moms uniting all across the country to fight for our faith, our families, freedom, and the Constitution. So please check us out at momsforamerica.us and join the movement here, moms. Alrighty, on to today's show. Well, today's show is the second of three programs in our series from CPAC 2023. We had a blast there last month, and today we are featuring Riley Gaines Barker. Now, Riley was recently the victim of a physical assault when at least one protester hit her twice after she gave a speech on women's rights. Unbelievable. She addressed the rights of female athletes not having to compete against biological males. Makes sense, right? Well, not to this angry mob. Here is a video clip of the mob actually encountering Riley at San Francisco State University. Very difficult to watch, right? Very, very upsetting. Well, after the event, believe it or not, the university applauded the peaceful protesters. Yep, that's what they're calling them. And that's where we are today. No praise for the speaker who endured the heinous treatment and physical assault. Only applause for the reprehensible behavior of the mob. Well, Riley is no shrinking violet, that's for sure. She's been a competitor her entire life, and she is going to continue this fight. In fact, she plans legal action against the university for failing to act during the violent protest. I reached out to Riley the next day. I texted her and I said, Riley, we are behind you. We support you and we value all that you are doing to protect women's rights. 
She texted me back. She wanted me to say thank you to everyone. She is overwhelmed by the support and she appreciates it so much. She's doing well. And she wanted me to let you know that she is going to keep speaking the truth. Good job, Riley. All right, well, today we are bringing you the conversation that I had with Riley from CPAC, the Conservative Political Action Conference that was held in March. And in case you are not familiar with her story, let me tell you about Riley real quickly. Riley is a 12-time NCAA All-American champion swimmer. Yes, very impressive. In her senior year at the University of Kentucky, Riley was set to be ranked either number one or number two in the nation. Then, lo and behold, an unknown swimmer appeared in first place. Leah Thomas, formerly Will Thomas, entered the female competition. With his male-born strength and physique, Leah, Will, took the number one spot among the female competitors. The female athletes who were upset were told that they were wrong. But no, Riley refused to stay silent. She spoke up and she continues to speak up today. She says that allowing male-bodied athletes to participate in women's competitions will absolutely destroy the integrity of women's sports and leave women vulnerable. Here's my conversation with Riley. So we are thrilled to be talking with Riley. Um, she has such a powerful story. I uh, can't wait to get into it. Thanks, Riley, for coming by. Of course, of course. Thank you, guys. Um, I just love what you guys do, what you stand for. I think it's so crucial that moms, yes, the parents, the mamas. they get involved because these are the women who are going to cause the uproar yes. that will make changes. So thank you, guys. And we are causing a good uproar, I say. Absolutely. Right? Because if we don't stand up and support it's each other, it's over. It's uproar. Absolutely. All right, Riley. Um, our moms, I know, once we start putting two and two together here, they're going to be like, wow, I know your story. <laughs> <laughs> because you were, we were just talking about this, baptism by fire. Absolutely. You took a stand... You had a career, you had a passion, you had a love for a sport, and all of a sudden you had to make some clear decisions. Right. So at the beginning of the interview, I want to ask you personally, um, why did you, why were you the only one that stood up? And did you, did you find that you just had to? Nobody else was willing to come alongside you? Yeah, you know what? That is truthfully how I felt. Um, because if I'm being totally honest and, and I, and I'm ashamed to say it, I was, I was waiting for someone else. <laughs> I was waiting for a coach or someone right. within the NCAA or someone who was supposed to be protecting someone us. Someone in the administration. So yeah, somebody. I, I was waiting for someone to stick up for us, but then it kind of hit me that if we as female athletes aren't even willing to stick up for ourselves, how can we expect someone else to stick up for us? Right. Um, this is an issue that we have to use our voices on. And so it kind of hit me that the it denial of basic truth, right. um, the sheer essence of humanity, man and woman, right. if people aren't even willing to acknowledge that men and women, yes, of course, we should be equal, but we're not the same. We're not the we're same. We're different. Yes. And if people can't acknowledge that without immediately being called transphobic, a bigot, hateful, we have a, a much bigger problem in this society than just fairness right. in women's sports. And so I decided to use my voice to stand firm in truth, honestly. Right. Well, it's been quite a journey for you exposing the truth, standing up for women's rights. But before we go to where we are and, and that full story, did you 
At what age did you know you wanted to become a swimmer? I mean, was this a lifelong dream? Lifelong. Um, I started swimming at the age of four. Um, <laughs> just the summer swim, the basic, you know, uh, like a lot of kids do. But by the age of eight, I started swimming year-round. Um, so this meant that in second grade, you're swimming two hours every single day, and it really only gets harder from there. <laughs> um, so by the time you get to middle school and high school, you're swimming before school. Um, you come or you go to school, you come to the car after school, you shovel your food down, you go back to practice, you drive home, you ice your, your shoulders because they're tired, you eat your dinner, you do your homework, you go to bed and you wake up and you do it all again the next day. And at the collegiate level, from my experience, we were in the water six hours every day. So it's mm. impossible to put into words the amount of time and the dedication, dedication and the, the sacrifices that you make when you're dedicated to being successful at the elite level. Oh, I, I can't even imagine because we know athletes, they give it their, they give it their all. Absolutely. You know, it, it is such a passion. So now your dream, so now, I mean, your, your accolades are amazing. You want to talk you. about a champ of all champs. Thank you. Um, now you get a chance to, to swim. Uh, you're yes. pursuing your dreams, and you're were you notified about uh, Thomas going to be no. in the race, or did this just did you just show up? Well, how did this work out? So, I'll take you back a little bit. Um, my college experience was nothing short of bizarre, anyways, because we dealt with COVID, and so my sophomore right. year, my NCAA championships were taken from us because COVID. Um, and so that was one NCAAs we were robbed of. So finally, um, we get back to school. We're ready to go. My senior year, mm -hmm. um, I was ready to win a national title, right. which would mean becoming the fastest woman in the country in my event. And so I was on track to do so. I was ranked third in the nation um, behind one amazing female athlete who I knew very well because, like most top-tier athletes, you know each other sure. um, regardless of where you compete. But the person who was ranked first, I'd never heard of before, um, which was very weird because this was a person ranked first in, in, in various events by multiple seconds, ranging from the 100 freestyle, which is a sprint, all the way to the mile, which mm -hmm. is, of course, long distance. And so think of this like your runners. You don't have your best 200-meter runner be your best marathoner, mm -hmm. but that's what Leah Thomas was to us in swimming. Um, so that was a red flag. Red flag. I'd never heard of Leah Thomas. Like, where, where from, is this person coming from? From University right. of Pennsylvania that doesn't historically produce fast swimming or swimmers. Okay. Um, and so it wasn't until a couple days later after these nation-leading times were posted that an article was posted disclosing that Leah Thomas was formerly Will Thomas and swam three years on the men's side at UPenn. So then I was able to look up who Will Thomas was oh. and see that this was a swimmer who at best was ranked 462nd among the men. Wow. Um, I thought the NCAA would see this, see that it's wrong, see that it's unfair, but that is not what we saw. Um, three, three weeks before NCAA championships, they announced that Leah Thomas would in fact be competing against the women. So everyone has to show up and compete in what six foot six foot four yeah six foot four biological male yes. now competing against all the women and uh, they're expected to be able to compete right what what a joke it it felt like a joke yeah and that, that truthfully is actually exactly how it felt is it felt like we were being mocked right um, what we had dedicated our lives to it Ugh. was being mocked by a mediocre male 
we we had to validate his identity, his right. perception of himself at the expense of our own. Right. Our own fairness, our own safety, our own privacy, right. our own mental health. Right. We were expected and told we had to um, accept. accept this person in our sports and in our changing spaces. Okay. Changing spaces, spaces I want to talk about. But you were told to accept this and... Did everyone just accept it? What, or what was the rumblings like? I can't believe the conversations were like, hey, no problem. <laughs> yeah, was no, like, it what? wasn't. <laughs> it's, it's impossible to speak for everyone, but I can wholeheartedly attest to the grumbles of anger and frustration on the pool deck from these girls. 100%. I can wholeheartedly attest to the extreme discomfort in the locker room. I can wholeheartedly attest to the tears from the, these girls who placed ninth and 17th who missed out on being named an All-American by one, one place. They were displaced by, of course, a male. Um, these women were not okay with this. No, they were not. But we, at the time, we didn't know who to go to. Right. This organization who, again, was supposed to be protecting us turned, our, turned their back on us. Sure did. So who did, who did we talk to? Right. What could our parents do? Our parents couldn't do anything. Mm -hmm. um, our coaches are terrified to speak out because they want to keep their jobs. Right. Um, and and so it just really, felt like stalemate. And you really can't speak up because then you immediately become a hateful, bigot person. Absolutely. And we can get into this a little later as well. But some of the girls who did try to speak up, the silencing that they dealt with, the suppression of their voice from their universities and from the NCAA, Truthfully, it could be worse than the whole fairness in sports issue. This it, it turned into a freedom of speech issue, sure which did. is scary. That is um, scary. When you have these institutions doing everything in their power to silence you and your feelings, mm -hmm. um, that's that's a really big problem. Mm -hmm. It's ultimate bullying. Absolutely, and bullying is exactly what it is. So you talked about uncomfortable in the changing space because not only competing against them whole big issue. Now you have to pretend that you do not have a biological male in the, changing a swimming suit. We all know what it's like to change a swimsuit. It's uncomfortable to... I mean, we're going down to our nothings. Right. Well, and that's... Let me set the scene of a swimming locker room for you. Um, not a place of modesty. No. Um, but it's almost in a, in a way you've, you've become comfortable being vulnerable in that in that space growing up because growing up a swimmer which we all have um in that environment um you're used to it in a, in a sense um but I, I i can't tell you the subconscious innate feeling of discomfort when a male walks in a male you had no idea the ncaa didn't even forewarn us that we would be sharing this space and so when you're in there changing, you're talking to your friends, you're putting your suit on, these suits, again, that are tiny, that take 15 minutes right. to tuck yourself into. Right. Um, Competitive swimwear. I mean, this is a yeah. whole it's, it's just, we all know what it would be like to be somewhere putting on something like this in front of a male. Right. And so, again, we were not forewarned. We did not give our consent. They did not ask our consent. And so I immediately left the locker room. Um, and, I, and I went straight up to an NCAA official and I said, hey, what are the guidelines right. that allowed this to happen? Right. And he said, oh, well, we got around this by making the locker rooms unisex. So this meant that any man could have walked into our locker room and they didn't even tell us of this arrangement. They never said to us, hey, 
we made the locker rooms unisex if you want to find another arrangement, but this is how we have to handle this. Very, the bare minimum. I mean, um, and they didn't do that. No, very violating, very, I mean, I, I can't. I Violating's I, a perfect word. I don't even know. It, it's almost so shocking, like you said, when we talk about this, it's so obvious and it's so weird. All Right. Uh, well, it, just a year ago, this would have been considered harassment. indecent exposure, right. voyeurism, sexual harassment. sexual harassment. Yes. And this would have been a person who would immediately be arrested, but now they're not arrested. They're, they're not celebrated. Told, they're, they're celebrated. It's encouraged to do what they're doing. And the NCAA perpetrated this. So now you have to deal with it. You have to either deal with it or, 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 don't, right. or don't compete. Right. Absolutely. And that's kind of what we were faced with. And looking back now, um, would you have done things differently or no? I don't know if I would have done things differently because truthfully how it all worked out in terms of the tie and the trophy, how that played out, it was perfect display to show how wrong this is. And yeah. so I, I'm looking at this as something optimistic, truly. Um, this is the conversation that needs to be had. I'm not someone who's scared to have it. And I think God mm. God was working through this whole... He did. He works it all out for good. I know he, he works does. in mysterious ways. And my life has changed. <laughs> I was supposed to be in dental school this year. And so the path and the plan that I thought I had, I'm not pursuing right now. I'm, I'm set to go to dental school in the fall. But even now, I don't know what I should do. And, I, and I'm letting God kind of take that control. And so I don't know if I would do things differently. But I do want to say the most powerful way to make change is, of course, to not swim, to not compete. But it's so hard to orchestrate that amongst ourselves yeah. um, because no one wants, no girl who's worked again their whole lives to get to that point, they don't want to give up their chance at a national title. They don't want to not compete. But that's, that's the sacrifices that are going to have to be made to make changes. Um, mm. Again, changes are made at the leg through legislature, but this is a more powerful, impactful way to right. really make changes. Well, you went forward, you went through the journey, um, yes. And then I think that's what's so amazing about it is that you didn't uh, you didn't lay in the sidelines. You swam upstream. Absolutely. <laughs> to, be, to give you a pun here, but you really did. You you spoke out. You stood up. Um, how are you now with all this? I mean, you talk about where God's brought you. Um, look at look at the you doors. Know? You become a spokesperson. Do God's <laughs> opened up doors for you to champion for women. Absolutely, and. I think sitting back now, I realize the the bigger picture. Um, it's not just sports that are under attack. Yes, that's it right. It is the whole. It seems as if the left is is truthfully trying to erase women, erase yeah. gender, erase sex altogether. Right. They want to blur that line. There's ulterior motives here. Look at what's happening um, in prisons where they're now allowing men who are convicted of terrible, heinous things like rape and kidnap and awful things, they're now allowing them into women's prisons where they are impregnating women. Um, it's happening in New Jersey, Ohio, um, Kansas, of course, California. California, after it happened, they saw a successful case. Um, that next week, over 200 applicants, males, applied to, to be in women's prisons. Right. And so... We're opening doors for people to walk in and take advantage of the system that's already failing. Right. The system that's already failing women. Um, but there are there are pervs, there are yeah. creeps who 
will see that all they have to do is say, I identify as a woman to get in a woman's locker room, mm -hmm. and they will take advantage of that. Right. They see this as an opportunity for themselves. Yes, And absolutely. it's very strategic on their part. And it's unfortunate that we're supporting you know, this, this agenda. How bad was the backlash when you did speak up? I mean, now... You look very settled. I mean, beautiful in person, mamas. Aww. I mean, what a, what a great role model. But I mean, you just, you, the persecution had to be pretty tough. You know, I think the hardest thing for me to hear, truthfully, of all the backlash I've getting, gotten is, um, you know, you're not a Christian. You say you're a Christian, but our God loves all. Mm -hmm. I struggled with that initially because mm -hmm. Before anything, I want to live a Christ-like life, and so when people would say our God, our God wouldn't do this, okay. that was hard for me to hear because right. I struggled with knowing, you know, am I doing the right thing? Which now I understand. Of course, we have a God of love, but we also have a God who hates sin, and a God who created man and woman, and He doesn't make mistakes. Um, right. But really, other than other than that, the backlash I get is all personal attacks. It's right. maybe you should have just swam faster. You're slow. Uh, maybe you should have trained harder and you would have won. Stop whining. Or you're ugly. Or um, you're transphobic. Or your 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 hair is extensions, which it's not. Um, so they're just silly personal attacks that have no weight on me. Mm -hmm. I realize now that these these personal attacks that people are are saying about me, of course, on the internet. I've never. I've truthfully never met anyone in real life. Um, other than protesters at events, but no one in my daily life have I met that disagrees with me. Right. No one. Um, and so I realized these people saying these things on social media about me, it speaks more about, about them. them than it does about me. I'm secure right. enough in my stance. I know my convictions. I know my heart. Right. And I know what I'm trying to accomplish. I'm not trying to ban trans people from competing in sports. I believe everyone has a place to compete somewhere. Right. It's just competing where is fairly. Right. Um, that's the fundamental piece of sports yes so where i, I know myself yeah and i've heard you say that quote exactly women deserve a, a fair competition absolutely absolutely that there's no equity there's no fairness there's no sportsmanship there's no opportunities for women to succeed at an elite level without sex-based categories right. um and we deserve that we're entitled to that right. and we've come a long way and women have the right to compete. I mean, these are dreams. These are, this was a childhood dream that all of a sudden can be taken away or stolen. And again, it's not like everyone can't compete in, in their own arena, but being in an arena, that's fair. Absolutely. It's that simple. So redefining women, the importance of knowing what a woman really is. Yes. This is really what it all comes down to. Because we just talked about the fact this is bigger than women's sports. Absolutely. This is affecting women all across the country in all different arenas, like you're saying. So the fact that we have to define what a woman really is, it's shocking, but it's necessary. It's, it's definitely necessary. I hate having to add the term biological woman when I'm talking about myself or a cisgender woman. Oh, I hate that. Right. But it, it, it is, in a way, necessary. But to define a woman, how sad we have a sitting Supreme Court justice who, who <laughs> refused to do so. Right. Um, it. It's the most, like I said at the beginning of this interview, it's the most basic of truths. Right. We know what a man is. We know what a woman is. We know what a male and a female are. Um, and so the definition of a woman is an adult 
human female. And then we can further define female as someone who has the capabilities to produce ova or eggs. Yes. Um, <laughs> it is not that hard. Chromosomally, it is not that hard to think understand. of this, it's XX right. versus XY. Um, right. Of course, people will bring up the topic, what about intersex? Intersex is not a third sex. It is a combination of the two, and it is 100% different than being transgender. Yes. What do you say to the moms? Their daughters may be competing. What do we do as moms with this situation? You know, as moms, um, I just recently got married. And I can only, thank you, <laughs> and I can only hope one day that I get to bring a daughter of my own into the world. And truthfully, that is why I'm fighting this. Um, yeah. I can't imagine having a daughter and not f using this time um, my platform, my voice to fight for her rights. Yes. Um, sports are more than just winning. Um, sports, the opportunities that sports have given me, it's given me the leadership and the confidence and the security to sit right here and do exactly what I'm doing. It's, it's monumental. Right. Women deserve that. Mm -hmm. We deserve the chance to have the same opportunities that I had, the same opportunities that... Um, my grandparents fought for. That's right. Um, we deserve that. And moms, your daughters, they don't have a voice yet. Mm -hmm. They don't yet understand the implications that this has on their future. So right. they need you. And again, this is bigger than sports. Right. All of this stuff that's being pushed to children, it's twisted, it's sad, um, but they need someone to stick up for them because there are so many who are trying to pull them under. Yeah. So the moms, they're crucial. I can't even tell you the support that I've had from mm -hmm. my parents. Yes. Um, I, I, it's, it's been foundational for myself, and I, and I truly hope every, every mom can see how important it is to stick up for your children. All right. Well, good. Last question. I heard uh, President Trump told you that he could uh, maybe beat you in the pool. <laughs> <laughs> that might disprove my theory of, of, of the biological advantages, because I could definitely kick his butt. <laughs> Um, Very funny. Hilarious. <laughs> hilarious. Yes. Well, thank you so much. God bless your endeavors and um, keep fighting the fight because of we need course. women like you fighting for women to be able to be women. Of course. Seems simple. Bare minimum. Yes. <laughs> um, All right. But thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Well, in our interview, Riley mentioned a tie and a trophy. And it's true. Despite the vast difference in size and strength, Riley did tie with Leah Thomas, believe it or not and the 200 meter freestyle. This event in itself became so controversial. Well, Riley explained to me what happened when we spoke with her at CPAC at the Women's Breakfast that we sponsor. So my story that, that kind of compelled me and thrusted me into the position to take a stance in truth is when um, Leah Thomas and I, we raced in the 200 yard freestyle which ultimately, and now looking back, I see how God was moving through this whole situation because it couldn't have played out more perfectly, we'll say. Um, but Thomas and I, we tied. Um, a six foot four biological male, this girl gave him a run for his money. <laughs> <laughs> so we tied, so this meant that we went the exact same time down to the hundredth of a second. So we both went like a minute, 43 seconds, 0.52 or whatever it was. And so 
We go behind the awards podium where they hand you a trophy and you get named an All-American. And so the NCAA official looks at myself and Thomas. We're this far apart. And he says, great job. You guys tied. Um, Leah, you get the trophy. Leah, you get the trophy. And so I questioned this official. I was like, okay, I know we tied. I know there's one trophy, but why are you adamant on giving this trophy to Leah? And he says, well, for photo purposes, Leah has to have the trophy. Um, you can pose with this one, but you have to give it back. You go home empty-handed, Leah gets the trophy. And so th that's truthfully well, how you of, were treated. Think of Title IX and everything, all of the benefits of Title IX. We have people in the same lifetime. I'm sure there are some people in this room who saw the benefits of what Title IX has given us. And now in their same lifetime, they're seeing that stripped away, being taken away. And so the left likes to look at this as if it's progressive. We're moving forward, but it couldn't be more the opposite. We're going backwards. 50 years back in time. We sure are going back in time. We have, we have made such great strides as women to be who we are and to compete and to have a voice. And for someone to say, you don't matter, take home you know, the dummy trophy, sorry, see you. Somebody that's been competing since four to be a champion swimmer, not acceptable, we're not putting up with it. Thank you for not putting up for it. Well, thank you. Because it's the athletes, right? Speaking up that are gonna make the big difference and saying no. I am not gonna let this happen and I'm gonna, I know, you just wanna give her an applause, don't you? Thank you. That's so sweet. Aww. I know, girl. See all these women that are with you? So when you go across the country, you, you take all these faces with you. Well, these are the people who can make the change. Right. These moms. You guys possess the power. Um, you possess the power, of course, over your children, and that is the most mm -hmm. liberating thing. You guys have the ability to make these changes. Of course, legislature is great and, and getting involved in that way, but just using your voice, um, showing that the true majority of this country, and I truthfully believe this, the true majority of this country we're sane. We know that men and women are different. We know that kindergartners shouldn't be taught do, things right. about their sexuality. They should be learning their colors and ABCs and how to read and write. Right. Um, but you guys have the power to change this. And speaking from my own experience, I know how the media and how large institutions and especially mm -hmm. universities, they want to silence you. But don't let them do that. Do not give them the power to do that because that's when as a society, we are going downhill and it's, I see it happening and it's happening at an alarming rate. Right. We're not gonna let the progressives control the message anymore. We're gonna let the moms, <laughs> we're gonna let the women, we're gonna let the patriots control the message because we are the freedom fighters, amen. Isn't Riley a great role model for us and our daughters? Think about this, this woman is just 23 years old. What a champion. I'm so impressed with her tenacity and true courage. She's been a fighter in the swimming pool from an early age, and these protesters are not going to silence her. Freedom of speech is for everyone, not just for the trans community. Today, Riley continues the fight as a spokeswoman for the Independent Women's Forum. Good luck, Riley. All right, well, our final program from CPAC will be next week when we talk with Dr. Penn Carson, and Representative Lauren Boebert. It's going to be another great discussion with some incredible leaders that are really making a great impact all over the country. We love Dr. Carson and we love 
Lauren Bobert. She's amazing. Also, I never want to leave you without encouraging you to uh, visit our website and momsforamerica.us. Again, check out all of our events, our programs, our amazing resources. They are all there on our website. When you're on our website, I always say, listen, make sure you sign up for our newsletter because that's how we communicate with you uh, every week about what we're doing, what programs we're offering, um, and just kind of stay connected with you through our newsletter at momsforamerica.us. I also want to encourage you to check out our signature program, which is the Cottage Meetings. It's 12 lessons that will absolutely inspire and educate you about America's amazing heritage so you can share those principles of liberty in your home and in your community. That's how we make a difference, moms. We share those in our home and we share those principles of liberty and freedom in our community. Uh, this program, along with many of our other programs on our website, will help impact you and your family in a very, very powerful way. We always say this every week, right? It's from public policy to Congress. It's from the kitchen table to the school board. That's how we make a difference in our community and in our home. Also, if you have an idea or a topic, would you please email me at podcast at momsforamerica.net. I would love to hear from you and any suggestions or topics that you may have. Again, that is podcast at momsforamerica.net. All right, mama, every week we say this, liberty begins at home and that you moms, you are truly the heartbeat of America and you are truly the heartbeat of your home. That's why this movement is so powerful. It's because of moms just like you. Alrighty, I'm gonna go ahead and see you next week for another exciting, uh, informative special with our last special from CPAC with Dr. Ben Carson and uh, Representative Lauren Bobert. It's going to be awesome. And moms, don't forget, share this with your mama friends. I'll see you next week and let's keep changing our world one home at a time. Talk to you soon. Thank you.